<laughs> Welcome to the Other Side of Grace podcast. I am Cole, and we have Leslie and David here. We are talking about this new house, a meditation on Haggai 2.9. This is not a new house. This is an old house. I'm sorry. But you can build a new I house. I wish it was a new house. Why, I do too. Cool. That would be cool. One day, we'll, we'll show up in a new house here. That'd be nice. Be like showing up in a new car. A new, a new studio. New, ooh, new studio. That'd be nice. I like it. Just switch rooms and then you can... Just switch rooms. People. Yeah. Mm. So next week we'll be meeting in the laundry room. <laughs> <laughs> Where David will finally take a bath. Ooh. Okay, so moving on. <laughs> Not sure how to interpret that, but we're just running with it. So this morning for our first sips. Go dogs. It's a time on our podcast where we talk about what we're talking about today. And uh, today we are doing a meditation on um, Haggai 2 9. And um, this is about when. Israel was uh, returned from the exile and they were building a new temple and they got really, uh, really depressed after seeing that this new temple was not going to be anything like the glories of the old temple. And this is God's response to them. He says in Haggai 2, 9, the future glory of this present temple will be greater than the splendor of the former temple. And in, and in this house, I will give peace and prosperity. I, the Lord Almighty, have spoken. And so what this podcast really, I think what it boils down to, this devotion, is that God's power to use the broken, the useless, even the less than, um, and to be able to redeem these things um, and make them new and even better than the things that we once thought were great and glorious. So at the heart of this message is really a message of God's power to redeem and restore and make new, um, but not just new, make better. So you both have had a chance to read this uh, devotional. Um, what are your first thoughts? Uh, Leslie, we'll start with you today. Right. Well, one of the things that I thought of um, from the beginning is that sometimes our perspective on what the glory days, what the house looked like, what the temple looked like, can be very different from each other. And something that I just thought about as you were reading that verse is, is that it, he also promises that he's going to give peace and prosperity there in this new house. And so why choose? Why choose? Why do we choose the old temple? Why do we choose the old house? Mm -hmm. And in thinking of ourselves, if we believed we are um, temples of the Lord, as the scripture says, then why do we go back to calling ourselves the names of our former selves or being so critical um, of ourselves or going back to that life that we had allowed the Lord to destroy in order to have something new and glorious? Like, why would we even choose a place that does not promise peace and prosperity? And not only that, but that scripture says that he's going to give it to us. So, 
in all of their workings to build and in all of ours to build a new temple, to build a new house, this new glory. Um, we're working so hard for peace and prosperity when he says he's going to give it to us. So that, that was just new right here in this moment, um, that it's a gift from him. So that, um, you know, why choose something different? Why work harder when we can have it given to us? And the other thing is that the future glory that they were talking about or that they were living in was really their past glory because their mindset of the future glory looked like the past. And his word says that um, we are set for new things. He's going to do new things. And in the past glory, it really wasn't all that great for them either. And they really didn't do all that good either. That's why they're having to build a whole new thing. Yeah. Um, so sometimes it's our perspective. We think that the days in the past were really good because the current day seems hard. Um, but it could be that we're either in denial of what was in the past, getting to that glory, and we need to go back and revisit it in order to not repeat it because we're probably repeating the same mistakes. Or it could be that um, this future glory that we've talked about, we could be in fear of it. And the hard that we're going through <clears throat> may seem only hard because it's the now. <laughs> I'm the mom of the group. So for all you ladies out there, childbirth, you know, is, the, is hard, is the hardest thing that a female can go through, right? So we don't look at our kids for the rest of their lives and blame them for childbirth being hard. You literally do forget it. You know that it was hard and you know that it was a challenge and a struggle, but you really do not remember the pain. And so, because it's worth it on the other side. So that's the Lord's grace. We can go back and we can visit the things that were hard, visit the things that brought us to where we are or what we're going through now and trust that he's gonna give us a day where his peace and his prosperity takes over the, the struggle of it. Um, so that's just, you know, the glory days are not always as glorious as what we make them out to be. Usually that means because we're in denial or we're scared to move forward. So, but God is good in his grace. He's going to give us peace and prosperity. So that's just one of the things. Yeah. I like, you know, what you said about the you know, childbirth, you don't remember it. Of course, I've never experienced that. Yeah. Um, but as a father, I have experienced the many sleepless nights that come yes. after where you're awake with the child crying, mm -hmm. uh, can't sleep or changing diapers or whatever that is. And and the the pure exhaustion that comes with yeah. that. And you do, you forget it. Yeah. Like I remember when my second child came along, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this now. But it'd been two years and I'd totally forgotten about it. Right. And then same with my third child, like four years later. It's like, but it comes back kind of second nature, which is kind of cool. Um, yes. But still you do, you forget those bad things and you just remember the good, um, which because is. Because you've worked through them. <clears throat> because you've worked you've through given them. Given them over to the Lord and you choose to see right. the good mm -hmm. that came right. from it. Um, we do have choices as Christians. We think we don't a lot of times, but. Um, we get in that mindset and, we, and I've said from the stage and others have said, and it's, we just have learned, Oh, that wasn't quite right. What I said, 
and usually it's through our circumstances. It was for me that, you know, where else would I go? Oh, I can tell you a lot of places I would go, you know, I don't tell you what else would I do without Jesus? Um, yeah, there's lots of things. So we do have that choice. We can choose joy um, and grow from it, or we can choose to let it fester in us until, until we die emotionally, spiritually, and sometimes physically as well. Yeah. And we have the choice to remember the good rather than the bad. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we do focus on the bad and kind of like a half, a glass half empty kind of mentality rather right. than half full. So Cole, what about you? What, what kind of stood out to you? What were your thoughts? Obedience is what stood out to me the most. The fact that the Israelites at the time were not obedient because they didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, they, most of them knew what the old temple looked like. So that's what they had in mind. And whenever God was rebuilding it, they saw what the materials were going to be made out of. And they're like, this isn't what it used to be. They were stuck instead of the mindset of former glory, of former victories that they had. And they couldn't let go of the past. And I feel like oftentimes we are in the same boat. We want to move on but we keep holding on to something that we think in our mind is greater because we know what that's going to bring us. We think it's going to bring us comfort and it scares us to not be able to look into the future and see what God sees to say that that is a small speck compared to the greatness that's coming. So obedience is my main uh, takeaway from this. Because it's also where I need to be at, if I'm being honest. Because sometimes we don't see the end game of the obedience right away. And most of the time we do not, because then it would be easier to obey. It's like a person who's not afraid of heights and bungee jumps. Well, good for you, you know. Mm -hmm. But a person who's terrified and bungee jumps and gets through it and says that was all worth it, that's courage uh, moving in spite of the fear. I'm thinking about obedience to him really flows throughout our life, even in practical ways. You know, you have, or or when things change, you're at a job and they've done it a certain way for so many years, you have an authority change, a boss change. And, you know, it's of no moral, no ethical wrong. They're just changing how things are done. Like, and what you did before worked well. So it's a little bit scary to change but also let's say your way even was better or seemed like it was better Mm -hmm. and more practical to do it a certain way. You know, we are to obey our authority and it really, how we obey his will flow throughout every part, every part of us, you know, how we see him as our authority will change our obedience uh, to our earthly authorities, our bosses, you know, our worship pastors and our worship directors and, um, our ministry leaders, our, our pastors, um, and people that we look up to. If it's of no moral or ethical um, disruption biblically, then why do we keep, why fight it? You know, yeah. and we could very well in our mind be right. And then at the end, we're like, I might not have been so right about that. Yeah. This is a good way to do it also. You know, and and practically speaking, in a job, well, you can do it the new way or you can not have a job. Spiritually speaking, we can obey and and trust 
the goodness of who he is, or we can choose not to obey and just keep having something I thought about when you were talking was the familiar. Yeah. You know, we, this is familiar. I know this, I know how to work through this. I know how to handle this. So I'm going to stay with this because it's, it's familiar. The right. unknown scares me. Um, it's not wrong that it scares you. That's where faith comes in. So that, that stretch of obedience will flow in all areas for sure. Yeah. Um, obedience is good. And I think obedience is kind of the crucial turning point. Uh, I was writing about it in my blog. Um, my computer will cooperate with me today. Um, I can't even remember. And you said obedience. I wrote it down. Yeah. You said obedience earlier um, before the podcast. Um, David said obedience is the sign of true repent- repentance. Mm-hmm. And if, if before we obey, then we are disobeying. So even in our obedience, if we don't see a specific something, it's a sign of our true repentance from our former flesh that disobeyed him on everything. Um, So uh, it shows that true heart. And I know you've got lots of good thoughts on that. Yeah. So Haggai um, 1.12 says, um, and this is just a little section of the whole verse that I cut out. But uh, then the whole remnant of God's people began to obey the message from from the Lord their God. Um, so as soon as they decide to be obedient, that's when Scripture says the presence of God dwelt among them. It was present there with them. Um, and that that obedience actually sparked excitement again to do what um, – what God was asking them to do, which was build the temple. And so where, where the um, Israelites had kind of gone wrong is after a couple years of trying to build the temple on their own efforts and being attacked by neighbors and, and running out of supplies, they just got so discouraged that they kind of gave up and started focusing on their own success and their own happiness, building their own houses, their own farms. And, you know, Haggai makes it clear in his, in his in his book that they didn't have the supplies they needed, so they're constantly out of money, constantly out of food, um, and it's when they heard the message from God to be obedient, to put the emphasis back on God's temple, um, and they were obedient to that that they got filled with the presence, they got the joy and excitement again to do the work, and all their supplies were taken care of. You know, um, so I think that says a lot about the power of obedience in our lives. Surely it's not like they're obedient and like that very moment, everything they needed just popped in front of them. No, right. they, they had to work and it took time um, to rebuild that temple and for those supplies to go. But that commitment to be obedient and to continue doing the work God asked and not focus on ourselves, um, I think was really kind of the key turning point for them. Yeah. Right. And sometimes our obedience starts really what seems very small. And those are the things that we forget about or that I for, can forget about if I'm not careful. Um, it starts with getting up and when he's told us to get up and go sit with him and read, that's yeah. obedience. And I don't feel like it. I'm tired. You know, the spiritual battle does not begin when you sit down and open up the battle. It begins when the alarm goes off. And I don't have what I need for today. Well, you, you, you disobeyed me first thing. Um, you, what you need today is my strength 
and your weakness. You don't need everything laid out. Like you said, it didn't just overnight. They gained all these things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right now I need a spiritual strength. I need a spiritual tool to help me. Well, you had it and you, and you disobeyed me. You said no. And you walked on. That's why you feel so emotionally drained. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we can be in the throes of things and be spiritually filled and, and yet physically drained. Um, there, there are differences in being emotionally drained because of our own um, disobedience and being physically drained just because we're trusting in his, in his strength to keep us moving. So that first obedience of getting up, this is, this was your tool. I gave you this one right away. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you can't see past all the other things right now because you need to go back and sit down and obey me again, sit down, uh, read his word, um, ask him, Pray, cry, wait, laugh, fellowship. Yeah. 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 Spending that time with him, getting into that word. Mm-hmm. You just convicted me yesterday. I didn't, I didn't do my morning devos. Oh, like, gosh. I could tell, too, the way the day went. <laughs> Can't we? And sometimes we still have bad days. I mean, and usually, honestly, we're going to. The scripture yeah. says that. But I can get through the day because of what happened before i prepared yeah you know i came prepared if i know i've got to take my lunch or i'm going to be hungry then i take my lunch if i'm hungry and i knew i was supposed to bring my lunch and i didn't then the whining and complaining is is on me you know that's self-pity and they had really gotten into a little bit of that mode Mm -hmm. of self-pity i'm gonna have to do all the work and you know yeah so let's let's back it up a little bit um you know, so first let's let's take a look at um, kind of where their mindset was. Um, they were focused on the past. Um, so I wrote down um, becoming a slave to our past under whether good or bad. So either, you know, we're thinking we're stuck in this idea of like the, the good old days, like you yeah. were talking about, mm-hmm. um, or we're stuck in a cycle of shame and hurt of where we're just focused on the negative. We can't we can't really let God come in and redeem us of that because we're, we built the stronghold over it and we're stuck in that. Um, and I know you had a question similar to that, didn't you? Maybe not. Um, no. so what, <laughs> it's coming. Jimmy. It's, it's coming. It's coming. There, I feel prophesying. Like, um, prophesying. So what do y'all think about that? Like, do you, do you find that to be true in your own lives or witnessed it and, and, and people? Yeah. Uh, oftentimes we create cycles of ourselves of our past and then we want to compare that to what's happening now and all we can think of is the negative part of that but we have to go through our dirt first in order for us to see that we need redemption in Jesus and once we accepted that then we start to learn then we can see all of the good that happened in our past but once we get back in that mindset of uh, filth and back the mindset of self pity and we're constantly beating ourselves down we can't see the mindset that god originally had us whenever he first brought us back out from that deep we are covered again instead of our shame instead of being covered inside of the robe of righteousness that we uh gained that jesus gave us because we accepted him and i think uh looking back is i don't think is bad uh, we look back in order to look forward. It's uh, kind of like one of my favorite songs ever, History by the Upper Room. 
um, we have a history of thanks with God because every single moment that we look back can all point back to forward of what he's going to do next. And we need to have a mindset of thankfulness instead of a mindset of shame and doubt and self-pity because then we can see that all of the bad has been turned into good and glory. And even if we're living right now in bad and, and shame and, and uh, filth, we haven't seen the good that's going to come out of that yet. So that's where being obedient comes in. And we can be joyful even in our obedience because God is with us and we are being obedient to him. So he will be faithful to us by bringing us through that filth. So so that once again, we can see the joy and, and the work that has been done through every situation. Right. Yeah. And talking about the robes of righteousness, it was explained to me in a way just a couple of weeks ago about how, you know, we put on the robe of his robe of righteousness when we accept him as our Lord and savior mm-hmm. that, you know, we need to realize he he's giving it to us and he's putting it on us. So we're covered and all those he didn't, cover over our sins he took them away yeah so we have all these filthy rags over here and we just pick them up and they don't fit right anymore so we're just kind of throwing them over you know this beautiful robe of righteousness but they're not made to stay there anymore and so the comparison game is really can be that way yeah um it's it's comparing what was to to what is in truth the fact is back then was really good that's a fact so that the truth is God has something even better. Mm-hmm. And I loved how you said, though, we still need to look back in order to appreciate what we have. But also you talked about if I'm walking through it, then I can look it back and see. And I thought, you know, even for myself, you know, March like 19th, I spoke at a women's meeting about um my own personal struggle with being diagnosed years ago with MS and what that looked like walking through it and just trusting the Lord to heal me physically and all of those things. And then, you know, a week later, my son ran away. So there was an immediate, I talked really good about it after the fact, what does it look like walking through it? Like when you're in the moment, what really does that look like? And part of that is, um, you know, staying in the word and those kinds of things And the other part is looking back and being reminded of what he brought us through. And if we can't look back, then we need to make sure we've surrounded ourselves with people that will do exactly what the scripture says that saves us. You know, we, the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony, the word of your testimony for what he's done with you will, will be my borrowed faith for a little while. will be my borrowed song for a while. If you, if you did it for them, then I know you're going to do it for me. Oh, wait, I remember you did do it for me. And so it starts to spur that in us of instead of comparing, well, that was better. It's just a, an, a moment of gratitude Yeah. Um, in, in that sense. So but that's a constant battle probably. Yeah. I like what you just said there, you know, like allowing the, the past to get us to a point of thankfulness of gratitude yeah. rather than mm-hmm. keep us in this like, I wish I could go back to that or feeling shame over something you did in the past. Because <clears throat> um, I can remember, and, and you said earlier, even at the beginning of the podcast, you know, living in the past can ruin your marriage. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can tell you that's true in my own marriage. Um, 
is that you know, when I was married, I was constantly, uh, especially in the later years of marriage, constantly making statements, well, you didn't used to do this, or it didn't used to be like this. And, you know, I was saying that at the time in a place of hurt and in like hope of like, I'd like it to go back to that because that was good. Yeah. But and it really, that's manipulation. Out, <clears throat> yeah. And those are hard words because the fact was, was you did used to do this. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. Truth is, that's not what's happening. There. That's not what's happening. And so, you know, I didn't realize how damaging that was for, for my relationship at the time and, um, and how, how dangerous that, that was to like, kind of, it's not bad to want to live in that past, but the fact is I wasn't allowing that past to, to make me thankful for what I have now. Instead I was becoming enslaved to that past mm -hmm. and saying, I don't like what I have now. I want what we had before. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't even true. I did like what we had. It yeah. just wasn't, wasn't perfect yet. You know, there's yeah. things that needed to be worked on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I really like that idea of letting the past rather than kind of define us, uh, let it inform us, but inform us in a way that brings us to gratitude. Right. And in Celebrate Recovery, um, which is a 12-step program, uh, biblically based 12-step program, we talk a lot about having an attitude of gratitude. Yeah. Um, at Bethel Colony, which is a recovery um, house for men and women in Lenore, North Carolina, it they talk they'll say attitude check and they praise the lord <laughs> praise you know and so it's in there the guys um we've been up there to do some music and the guys would be like attitude check one or two and they keep saying it until you know praise the lord praise the lord praise the lord you know until it catches on and sometimes the lord is gracious with us he okay keep checking your attitude again again and so he'll be patient with us because he knows really in the deepest part of our hearts yeah. um even sometimes in our prayers of four things you know um my own prayer life for my son you know i want him to come home mm -hmm. i want that i want him to call me i want him to show up at my door i want him to be back in my house but i always follow that up with not if it doesn't bring him back to you like right. i want him to come to know the lord and come back to the lord first and so now, because I say that all the time with the Lord, I can kind of see him like smiling and laughing a little bit, like saying, I know your heart. I, you, you don't actually have to say that to me anymore. I know I'll say, Lord, I really want him to call me, but not if it's, but not if that's not your will. And so now I say, whatever I'm praying, that's not in your will, just ignore me. <laughs> you know, we could get to that. And he's like, I hear you. I really know the deepest part of your hearts. And then our speech ends up changing completely. Um, mm -hmm. So because of that mindset um, of looking back and making sure that it's looking back in order to um, show his glory more instead of show our shame more or our ugliness or our self-pity, um, those kinds of things. Yeah. He's patient for sure. So let's talk about how comparison always brings discontentment. Um, so I know in my personal life, there's been times where I've just allowed comparison to completely um, shape the way I think, and, but not in a good way and making me discontent. And um, for, for, for instance, um, 
about 2018, yeah, I think it was 2018, uh, the uh, youth ministry cartel did a survey on the uh, salaries uh, nationally, salary for youth ministry. So for someone who had 10 years of experience and a master's degree, they should be making 50,000 plus with benefits (laughs) at a church. That's what they were saying. (laughs) Well, I had 14 years of youth ministry experience and, um, and a master's degree. And I was making like 30,000 with no benefits. And I allowed that to really like get to me. And um, at that time I just, I'd been working at a new church for about a year and a half. And I love that church, like great pastor to work with, great congregation, great teenagers, um, like no complaints, like compared to the other churches I've worked at, this was like a breeze of fresh air. But I allowed the fact that I wasn't getting paid what I should be to really start affecting my mentality and my heart um, towards ministry. Mm-hmm. And you know that played into a lot of things that led into some addictions that I got into. Um, but it really destroyed my ability to do effective ministry mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I was comparing with what I thought I should be making. And honestly, I would even compare to what I made at past churches because the church I worked at right before that, I made $10,000 more, but it was a terrible church, (laughs) terrible church. Uh, And then the church I worked at before that was my quote glory days where I was there for five years and nothing was wrong at that church. But if I'm honest with myself, a lot was wrong at that Mm -hmm. church. And uh, those glory days really weren't glory days because I was getting paid even less there than I was at this church that I was now getting discontent mm-hmm. at the salary. And so that is in my own, like just one of many stories of my own life where I allowed the comparison of things to bring me complete discontentment. Do y'all have any stories like that, that you would be willing to share? I'll let the wise go first. <laughs> then I'll think of my story. Yeah. <laughs> Look at you. What a gentleman. I mean, two huge areas, it will kill your ministry. Yeah. You know, uh, we we all three do music ministry together. And so we probably know very much the dangers of of doing a song and playing a song and only thinking on, well, the people who wrote it, they did it this way and theirs sounds better. Or um, at my previous church, we did it this way. There's nothing initially incorrect about um, observing and making sure we're bringing our best. The The problem would be what happens after that. Mm-hmm. You know, if we if we say, well, at my former church, I did it this way. I don't, I don't know why we don't do it that, that way here. You know, if we get hung up on that, cause we're not your former church, yeah. you know, we're not, I'm not that former person. Um, we have different people that the Lord has brought us to minister to and to minister to us. Mm-hmm. And so it will kill a ministry if you, do not look for it um, like one of you were talking about looking at the past for to be informed right? Yeah. and to see if the Lord can take that and use glory in the ministry and be glorified in it, then let's do it. But all day long, you know, I'd rather, um, you know, just musically speaking, there's songs that musically, you know, I could do without. 
they're just not the best. But the words are biblical and amazing. So we'll sing those all day long. We will praise the Lord to those. There's other songs that are musically really good. Like, wow, just if there were no words, that is amazing. But if the Lord's not telling us it's going to bring him glory, then we just are wasting our time. You know, as um, a mother and walking through as a parent, what we're walking through now with our son, we have to very much keep ourselves in check of thinking that other people are comparing our parenting being um, that we did all the things right or did they really do all the things right because now their son ran away um, and that can snowball very quickly and the enemy can use um, those kinds of things to, to then distract us from what's before us. We mm -hmm. absolutely no doubt did things wrong, um, but nothing, but our hearts were for the Lord. So there was nothing that the Lord could not um I don't like the word fix, but that there was nothing that the Lord could not use right. for his glory. And so we're, we're fine. Um, if there was repentance that need to be made, we made it. And if there's more, we'll do that. But people make their own choices. And if I continue to compare or listen to people's comparisons or think that they're comparing, because that could be the enemy that's telling me that, which more than likely it is. And I've got all these other little people in front of me and our older two sons that miss out on being parented correctly because I'm just, um, what, what do I do? I did it so awful then. No, I've got to start comparing my parenting, comparing my parenting with how does the Lord parent me? Mm -hmm. And what did, what was good about when we did this at my former church, what was good about it? Well, the music really was, it was right on, you know, it sounded really good. Okay. Are we using the equipment correctly? Are we doing all that? Let's take the logistical part of it. He gave that to us. Let's take that. We're doing all that correctly. Spiritually, it was okay. So at the end of the day, what does that look like in bringing him glory? I don't know. I'm always curious with you young people, younger people, <clears throat> especially where you are now, Cole, because even though David and I are just a couple years apart in age, <laughs> you know the push for when we graduated you went straight to college you like you went to four-year school and now i see it getting i did not i had an opportunity to and did not and that's what the lord asked of me but it was much more you're not going to college and so now i see things see us getting on the other side of that and it's exciting to me because i feel like people are making better choices on what the lord has asked them to do but in, that's a comparison game. Do you feel that pressure? Uh, I just feel, graduated? Not really. Okay. But uh, I compare myself a lot to what I see you guys did. I, I listen to your testimonies and your stories, and I want that. So that's what I've struggled mm -hmm. with recently. Uh, I've always had a – okay, no, I've not always. For Since my freshman year of high school, I've known God has called me to worship ministry. Mm -hmm. So I thought as soon as I was out of high school, I was going to be a worship minister at some church and pursuing that. And it finally took wise counsel and seeking God and having him tell me, no, you made that plan yourself. I'm not ready for you to have that. You're not ready to have that yet. Mm -hmm. So now I'm in this place of growing and nourishing and listening mm -hmm. to God. Uh, 
Right now, I am the farthest away from a worship ministry in terms of a job, getting a job at FedEx and being a box handler. It is <clears throat> probably the furthest away I can be, but it's where I need to be at this time because that's where God wants me to be, mm-hmm. to learn, to grow, and to minister to people there. But Yeah, I like... Um... I like what you were talking about. First of all, what I, what I heard you say was that you're being obedient to God. Mm-hmm. So that's amazing because at your age, I certainly yeah. wasn't. Um, yeah, and not I that I was. Before, I still struggle with <laughs> obedience every single day. Me but. too, buddy. Um, but the fact that you have the discernment to know, like, God doesn't want me to do this right now. He hasn't said no to it. He's just said, yeah. this isn't the time. And you're being yeah. obedient to it's that. It's very, very hard. Um, and then the other thing um, that just went out of my mind, what you were, what you were thinking, what you were saying, sorry, <laughs> but um, well, sometimes the ministry just looks different. Oh yeah, yes. that's what it because was. Because you're not getting a, it's not your job, so to speak, yeah. in the sense of pay, but you are absolutely doing it. Yeah. Um. So that again, that goes back to that Psalm 42. Mm-hmm. He is the help of my countenance. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I'm still learning I'm a, because in my brain, it was always the congregational Sunday worship. But I'm slowly seeing now that anywhere uh, God puts me is going to be my ministry. And especially with music, anywhere I go is going to be worship ministry. Yeah, yeah, that, that's actually was my second point was that ministry is You're not. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> um, ministry is not always a paid thing. Like, yeah. you know, you even look at Paul, you know, he mm-hmm. made his money by tent making. You know, and the gifts yeah. of congregations that were able to, you know, um, you feed want. him. Yeah. But really, like he, his whole missionary journeys was was not something he was paid to do, and um, that's something that God's had to remind me a lot of over the last four years. Is that um, just because you're not in a paid position of ministry mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're not a minister, right. and that he's not using you. And, you know, even when I worked at Goodwill for a while, I was like, there's no way, there's no ministry here. That's not true. There's people there. And wherever there's people, there's ministry. Yeah. Um, the and- payment and the, the gifts are, are the blessings of doing what the Lord has asked you to do. And again, because I'm the mom on the, on the <laughs> panel, a whole new ballgame in thinking about, I had someone, one of the questions that was asked in a um, Celebrate Recovery Step Study was, at your current job, um, you know, how do you feel about it? Such and such and such. And I said, well, I don't have a job um, in this mindset that I was thinking of, that I'm speaking of. And someone said, oh, yes, you do. You have a job. You're you're a stay-at-home mom. That's work. And it clicked. If I thought of that as my job, then the comparison game would begin. Mm-hmm. Then the game of, well, I worked all day. I did this all day. Um, they become my co-workers or my employees (laughs) my little people and my kids and my husband instead of my ministry so i do have a have a job but this job without a paycheck doesn't doesn't make it a burden Mm -hmm. right um my payment and the gifts are watching my little people learn to read you know watching my oldest two become more independent you know, the greatest gifts are listening them to them sing worship music or, you know, make their own lunch when they're they're <laughs> tiny and they're trying to figure out and do all these independent things or, 
you know, decide not to date as teenagers. You know, those are, those are my benefits and my rewards. And there's nothing wrong with getting paid biblically. It says to be fair mm-hmm. um, to the people that are doing the work of the church. So there's nothing wrong with a paycheck. Maybe sometimes the Lord was kind of moving us into a spot that we didn't know where we saw that as both ministry and job instead of just ministry. And the Lord is blessing me now to be able to get a paycheck mm-hmm. in it um, because I did that for a long time without the paycheck and was resentful and bitter. And then when I got the paycheck, it really didn't make things better. Yeah, We really honestly had no more money during the month. Um, and that was because it, my mindset was not such that, Oh, cool. Well, thank you, Lord. They're doing the right thing and the fair thing. It was, but I did not receive it uh, that way. So, you know, for you men, I think about my husband working a secular job, but being the head of the household and be, being spiritually the head of the household. I tell him all the time, people will say, gosh, being a stay at home mom has got to be so hard. And I couldn't do that. I could not go work for the public people. <laughs> I can put my employees in time out. I can go lock the door and not, you know, and go hide and everything's fine. I can slack on my job and there's still be food because there's a microwave and a freezer, you know? So working in the public, especially I would think, um, you know, stay at home moms are in this, in this role as well. I mean, I'm single moms that are working or, um, uh, husband and wife who both work and love their jobs, um, well, because they see it as a ministry um, instead of just, I got to do this to provide. I don't know how my husband would go to work every day if he did not think of it in a way that this, this is my ministry to my family. Right. Because it's, it's not ministry, quote unquote, you know, it's equipment, it's Bobcats, it's managing people and in the secular world. So that pressure I'm sure for you guys is much different than it is for a stay-at-home mom yeah. or a pastor or someone. It's different. There's there's pressure on both sides, but a much different pressure to have to work around. Yeah. yeah. I think this is a good time to bring up this question, the, which is mm. better, a tree that looks beautiful but has no roots or a tree that looks worn down but bears fruits but has deep roots. I think that oftentimes whenever we compare things, we want that more beautiful-looking tree. We, we, we want that tree's fruit, if it has any. But then whenever we finally get it, we take a bite and it's bitter. Yeah. Or it's fake. Yeah. Yeah. It's this whole fake tree that looks all pretty and shiny. Yeah. It's the plastic fruit. With yeah. The it's the plastic fruit <laughs> with the teeth marks in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it is that. And we, and we run to that um, often. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we, um, the Lord shows it to us and we run to it ahead of time because yeah. we get excited and so his grace is such as calm down, you know, you should have waited. It's almost um, like when you think of it in the sense of food, there's, if I've got a plate here, that's got all the things I need for energy. And then I've got my dessert, you know, or, or something that's not going to give me energy. And I eat that first. It fills me and I miss out on being able to do all the things though later in the day because mm-hmm. I just didn't wait. Yeah. I was still going to get it. Yeah. I just needed to have this first. And then when we have this first, this is so much 
you know, oh. sweeter and so much better. Yeah, yeah with the uh, with the tree analogy, you know, not the... that let me interrupt you. Oh, sorry. Not that eating dessert first is technically bad. Yeah. Because so... Robert Morris did say in the Bible it said that they could go eat cake. So my grandma so... had a sign in her um, hand stitched, like cross stitch, like picture in her mm-hmm. kitchen that said, "Life is short, eat dessert first. Yeah. I, I think that's a beautiful, beautiful. I'm pretty sure the last person that said that got beheaded. Revolution, throwing it out there. Well, I mean, I mean, cereal or cake in the morning. Mm. Just saying, there could be there could What's be the some quality there, there if it's I mean, Lucky Charms or something. Uh, chocolate chip muffin or Lucky Charms. Right. Chocolate chip muffin wins every time. Well, of course, yeah, absolutely, every time, absolutely. Um, what I like about your your tree analogy is if you really think about it, a tree. You know, it's been, it's been weathered by time and, but yet the roots are deep in the ground mm-hmm. and, um, those roots have found a good source of water and nutrition mm-hmm. and they're, they, they're so firmly yeah. planted that no matter what hits that tree, yeah. it's going to stand. Yeah. Um, sustained. whereas the tree that may look really pretty, but is it's probably younger. It doesn't have those roots. It's just going to blow over the first hurricane, first strong wind that comes, or mm-hmm. flood that comes. It's just going to fall over and die. It's going to become useless. Yeah. And so, yeah, I would definitely rather have the older tree that is worn down but has roots. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to be that tree, too. Um, you know, you were talking about compares, comparing things, Leslie, uh, and with the worship side of things you know like so my my instrument's acoustic guitar but a lot of times i'm i'm asked to play electric guitar and uh puts you in these situations i don't know (laughs) i'm still trying to figure that out um (laughs) well you know if i were to go up there because i really i play electric like i play acoustic i don't know lead stuff very well and um if I were to go up there and compare myself to like Nathan Farlow or even this guy on the electric guitar, I would play horribly that night, but I have to challenge myself. Okay. This is the instrument I've been asked to play. So I'm going to do my best and Mm -hmm. I'm just going to praise God. Like it's at that point I have to make it about God. This is all I have to offer you. Right. I can't do what they do, but I can do this. So I'm just going to go worship you. And I think that brings us back to our devotion. Uh, When the the Israelites, they were comparing uh, the old temple with the new temple. Mm -hmm. But part of their comparison was actually the realization that these sticks and stones really are not worthy of what God is worthy of. But that's all they had to bring was just this little rubble compared to you know the gold beams that solomon had and everything um so how do you think that god honors us when we know we don't have what he's truly worthy of but this is all we have such conviction this morning i was not prepared for this (laughs) um just last night i had to play keyboard i didn't have to play keyboard um but um the Lord said, just, just play the keyboard. Right. And so we have different people that can do that and they're much better at it. And we have amazing things called tracks that can also do it much better. So technically was it needed logistically? Probably not. Um, but the Lord asked me to do it and it does serve a great purpose. You know, all these kinds of things. 
you know, practice went great. I practiced um, before with the tracks at the church. Our regular practice with everybody went great. And during worship, I was like, what is, what, what is happening? And so many times we forget, you know, the Lord has prepared them. He's provided, you know, the things he's asked us to do this. We're obedient and we do it. And then we forget the whole spiritual battle behind it. You know, the enemy was not threatened when I, when it was just me, Bob and the tracks practicing. And the enemy was really, they're not so threatened when it was just as a team. But when people were coming into the room to, to find the Lord, he was super threatened by that. Mm-hmm. So then begin the voices on, is this good enough? And in all honesty, Technically, it's what I have um, in comparison to how I played before. Right. It's not as good. That is the fact. It is not as good. Logistically, it's not as good. Spiritually, it's so much better. And so these sticks and what they had to bring him, the old covenant and the new covenant, the old temple, the new temple, the Old Testament living and the New Testament. Jesus is bringing us his whole being in flesh, but perfect and saying, I want to take what you have and give you something beautiful that is going to bring you to eternity in heaven, Mm -hmm. you know, salvation. But I have, mine does not compare. Just accept the fact it will never compare. That's the point of, of him coming. Right. So what what he's comparing is my willingness to give what I have and my willingness to drop my pride, because my pride is since this is not good enough, I'm not going to play. Um, that's disobedient. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sorry, Lord, that for not seeing that you're a good, good father and that you love that I play this way because it's fully from my heart. You love that better than when I played all the notes because that was not from my heart because you love my heart. And so it's that continual reminding of comparing myself on what I have to bring. You know, everybody's tithe is different. Everybody's hours are different. Everybody's gifts are different on what they can bring. But he loves us so much. You know, it's my little boys when they bring me a picture that they drew. You know, this year's my very abstract and Gabe is my very lines, you know. (laughs) And so that they can be the same object and be very different. And they're both just melt my heart. You know, when my uh, 21 year old says, mom, let me buy your lunch, you know, and it's McDonald's. It's just as good because of where he is that he thought of doing that as if he were to take me out to get steak. You know, when my 18 year old says, I'm going by the store near a store. Is there anything that you want me to pick up? Like he's, that's his offering to me. And I love him for that. So I need to see that what I'm bringing to the Lord, if this is what he's asked me to bring, if this is what I have to bring, then he's saying the same thing to me. Look at her. Look at her loving, loving her father by bringing this to me. And it's, it's beautiful. It's perfect. That's, that's exactly what I want because my heart was full in it. Mm -hmm. So just that mm, constant reminder. So thank you for that conviction. I appreciate that. I know that you, before we start, we're talking about, you know, things made with love. Uh, you had a question about that. Um, you want to shoot that off now or, or, or didn't you, you had something about it. I'm not making this up in my head. 
oftentimes the, the new temples that God makes are better because they're made with more love. They're made mm-hmm. with greater plans. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what we were talking about before the podcast started. Yeah. It was a temple made of love. Yeah. Made of love. It reminds me, you know, you were talking about your kids and how, you know, their, their artistic skills different, but, you know, as a parent, we get more joy out of these little creative gifts that our kids make us that right. they didn't spend money on, but they right. spent their time on. Mm-hmm. We get way more joy out of that than if they were to go down to Walmart and buy, you know, it's a $20 thing, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can even think about the gifts that I've given to people that I care about. Um, I know that they got more out of it than if I were just given something that was on their wish list, you know? Um, So I think God's like that. And and in this situation, he was seeing like, even though the Israelites were comparing and getting stuck in that former glory, there was also that sense of, yeah, but they really are desiring to bring me their Mm -hmm. best. And I will take this, these sticks and stones. I'll take them. I'm going to love them and it's going to be beautiful. And then that's the testimony for others Mm -hmm. to say, what do I have to bring? Right. You know, I'm in the pit. I mean, I was in prison. I lost my family. I did all these horrible things or self pity, you know, in that mindset, I have all these wonderful, beautiful things and I'm ungrateful. What do I have to bring to the Lord? What do I have? You know, to bring the Lord. This will never be enough. It, it, in our mindset, it won't. Right. But it's always enough if it's our full and whole heart to yeah. Him. It cannot compare with His glory. And that's the point of it. It yeah. cannot compare with His glory. So only His glory can get the the benefit, the recognition. Only He can. Right. So if this little bit points to Him, then praise the Lord. You know, the, oh, the widow in the Bible bringing the few dollars, the few that she right. had. Um, got more glory because her heart was so full in it. And for someone who had so little to be willing to give that up in faith, Mm -hmm. not knowing where, how things were going to get bought or, or, or food or things come from that faith is, is such glory. Yeah. Um, Such glory in it. So God is good. Yeah. It's like um, the story of the, of Elisha and the Shulamite woman, you know, she, she had this empty room in her house and, she knew he would pass through town often. Yeah. And so she was willing to take just that little bit that she had and give it to the use of God. Mm-hmm. And God blessed her with a child yeah. because of that. It's yeah. it's pretty, It's it really is about God's glory rather than our glory. And, yes. and when we get focused on the past, we're focusing on our glory. Yeah. Whereas when we allow God to use whatever little we have, mm-hmm. it's about his glory. Yes. That's eternal. Ours is ours ends. Right. His yeah. does not. Yeah. Okay. So to uh, kind of wrap this up, I wanted to touch a little bit more on uh, Haggai verses five through nine. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot about how God will use the simple things or, or whatever we have to offer to be uh, for his glory. But um, one of the things that I wanted to point out is, in this passage, God's not only talking about how he's going to use the sticks and stones of the temple to be greater, but he's going to furnish that temple with everything he needs. So I'm just going to read this whole passage real quick. Haggai 2, 5 through 9 says, My spirit remains among you, just as I had promised when you came out of Egypt. 
So do not be afraid, for this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. In just a little while, I will again strike the heavens and the earth and the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's army. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven, heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven, heaven's armies have spoken. Um, so how do you guys see just in your own lives, in your own walk with God, how he's been not just bringing newness to your life, whether in this season or, or the promise of future seasons, but how do you see him actually bringing the furnishings? You know, how, how is he even using you to be that gold um, and that silver that he says is his? That, that very first half of that line of that, of that scripture, my spirit remains among you. Hmm. Like that right there is just our life. Hmm. That is our choice between, you know, um, being dead in my walk or, and in life or getting up and moving. And for us, how he's equipping us, you know, with our, our middle son being gone is people have asked, have said, I don't even know how you're doing it. How are you still here? I don't know either, but I know God. And right there is why. Because, Lord, I do not feel like this is good. I don't, I don't feel like I'm going to make it. I don't feel like, you know, I'm going to be able to do this. I don't, I don't feel like even trying today. I don't feel like it. And then I, so I choose to read his scripture and listen to him. And he says, but my spirit remains among you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I can't do it. But I will do it because your spirit remains among among me. It's in me. It's everywhere I am. And so whether it be, Lord, I know that you're good and I know there's good things to come and I know there's good things right here. Can you just show me something? And for one morning, it was literally for me, my 18-year-old coming and running and doing like a Superman jump on the bed. And then here comes the two little people jump on the bed and they're all wrestling. And I'm... I'm choosing with to look with his eyes and instead of being like, Oh, the Lord never gave me anything to see good today and going, look at this for 16 years. We prayed for the Lord to expand our family and he, and he did it. And look at all this good right here, jumping on my bed, acting crazy. And the, the tools of just that being able to say um, your circumstance might not change and it might not be this, what you think is this glorious thing the Lord gives you, you know, um, you got to choose to see it through spiritual eyes or I would not have seen that good. And I would have died inside. Um, I would have allowed myself to die inside. So those tools and remembering writing down what the Lord did. I, I see you, Lord. I see that this is how you provided means that, another mama who's going through the same thing um, of, of missing their child and, and really trying to give their child back to the Lord. Um, I'll be able to say this was my tool or somebody else that's just struggling in some way, um, whether it be addiction or loss 
or financially. You know, the many stories that we could share about that. The testimonies are are oftentimes our tools, but the word of God that he gives us, the, the things that he gives us with, um, gives us with is this, what sustains, you know, our, our, each other, those are gifts from the Lord, but only he sustains. Um, I choose to be thankful for the people in my life. I choose to be thankful for that. And so because of that, he says, good job. That's good. Cause I want you to be thankful for every gift I've given you another moment of, of sustaining me. So those, um, tools of writing down and remembering the very silly little things that he gives us with to show us, you know, what we need. Is there a scripture? I need a scripture, Lord. I feel like I am just being crushed. Wait a minute. I recall, I I recall a scripture with that word in it. I feel like I'm being pressed, crushed, something like that. Mm -hmm. So then I choose to do the work, Google it, whatever Bible gateway and look it up. Oh, suddenly there's a passage that says that, yeah, that is true. That is what I feel. And it's real. It's a fact. But the truth is on the other side of it is that I won't be destroyed. Right. It's not going to destroy me. Joy comes I feel so weak. Yeah. 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 I feel so weak, Lord. Good. Because then the fact is you feel weak. The fact is I am weak. So guess what? I'm strong. And because I remain in you, you're, you're going to make it yeah. just one step at a time. Yeah, for me, um, you know, the last last four years have been a journey for me. And um, I think I even talk about this in the devotion. There was a there was a point where I literally felt like God was done with me. Like he closed that mm-hmm. book, put me on a shelf and said, you're just going to live out your days doing mm-hmm. mundane tasks just to survive. I'm done. You know, but the fact is that that wasn't true. And I remember getting uh, deciding to get rebaptized at Triad Church um, December 2019. I remember just coming out of those waters and just hearing so clearly God say, I'm not done with you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but how can you use me now? I got mm-hmm. nothing to offer you. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's what this whole whole devotion is about, is the fact that even in our nothingness, God's mm-hmm. going to make something great and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and as you were talking about, you know, the fact that You've been learning how to live without one of your your children. You know, I've lived the last four years without mm-hmm. my children. And the obedience is, you know, God's been teaching me obedience in the fact that there's knowing there's nothing that I can do to change that in the moment, but to trust him and surrender completely mm-hmm. to him, um, knowing that, yeah, he's going to bring that silver mm-hmm. and gold into this new temple he's making. Mm-hmm. And it probably won't look like how I want it to look like in my head, right. but he's bringing it. He's going to make all heaven and earth shake yeah. and all the nations are going to bring their treasures to this new temple. And if he's going to do that for Israel, he's going to do that for us because we are the temple of God. And uh, so that's just, it's amazing. The little promises mm-hmm. you get in such yeah. a, you know, scripture like this. Um, but yeah, that the key of just being obedient and surrendering, you know, like Cole, you were talking about how you want to be a worship leader, but right now that's not what God wants for you. So you're being obedient and surrendering in this season. What about you? You have uh, thoughts on more thoughts on this? Just to piggyback on what both of you have said that the, 
promise of God is there. And uh, even here, it, it says, I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Mm-hmm. In every situation that we have, we can see God's glory because he's putting it in there. Like a, what you said, we just have to use our spiritual eyes to see it. In every situation, God is putting his glory there and it's going to be evident for us to see. Yes. Yeah, he cannot be hidden. No. no. And the darkness cannot become light until we put it in there and allow mm-hmm. it. So that obedience is light. Yeah. yeah. Very cool, guys. Good Final stuff. thoughts for our listeners? <laughs> Cole's reminding me to uh, remind you guys this devotion is about God's power to use the broken, useless, and less than and redeem those things to make them glorious. Um, so take that with you. And um, we appreciate you listening to our podcast today. Remember to check out othersideofgrace.com and read the devotion, This New House. Um, thank you for joining us. See you later. <laughs>